We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 475 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Tolkien, and joining me again today is one of everybody's favorite guests, and that is Domagoy Tostainchuk. How's the summer going so far, Domagoy? Uh, surprisingly very hot. Uh, you don't get to say that much in Scotland, but it's been warm. We've been camping, even swimming in the lakes. I never thought I'd say that for Scotland, but I've been swimming in the lakes, so make of that what you will. <laughs> but yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, we're, do, we're doing okay. We're, we're celebrating birthdays, enjoying our time together. But yeah, I feel like today, I, I say summer vibes because today is that first real show where there are just kind of summer vibes where I could have done a listener question show, but it's more just of a grab bag of different news and see where we go from there. We do still have to do the season awards and say goodbye to the 2022-23 season, but I am still working on that content too as well. The next thing you're going to see on the YouTube channel as well is going to be the top 10 games of the season all back to back. So like a three hour video, that kind of thing. Not, not all fresh. I mean like reuse content, that kind of thing. So that, that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're glugging up my premiere pro with, with long exports and things like that to, to celebrate the end of the season. But yeah, this is also the kind of week where it really begins the silly season for transfer stuff. I think where t- like today I read a report that Deco has recommended Real Vida leads Ivan Fresneda. And of course he has, of course he like, offered that kind of player up. He was one of the two most promising right backs in the league of this season. He's a teenager with a 20 million euro release clause and he's Spanish. Like, of course he was, he was offered up, but that mm-hmm. kind of deal to me because of how long he has been, or the, the teams let's say that are going after him in the premier league and the numbers that they're going to throw at him. Like that's an impossibility to me. Like that's a, like mm-hmm. let's say a wasted story, but that along with Alfonso Davies saying Bartomeu didn't want him. Of course, Bartomeu, <laughs> like oh, great. Bartomeu did dumb decisions. Of course, of course, he made a decision that I don't want to play because he's Canadian or anything like that. Like, no offense, not saying that that's not a story, but it's just, okay. I mean, another star, star, amazing player was like, yeah, Barca was interested in me. Of course, Barca's interested in every one of those players. And then for some reason or another, and yeah, of course, him being Canadian is one of the dumber reasons why. <laughs> yeah, I think that that alongside with uh, Bartomeu not winning Mbappe, I think it was either Dembele or Mbappe, and then we went for Dembele. That was the story, I think back in the day when there was still when Mbappe was still a thing Mbappe to Barca there was a Holland so, is too Holland was like not oh yeah Holland, something like yeah. that too like Holland wasn't a finished or you know what I mean like he wasn't prepared for that level mm, like that. Yeah, exactly exactly yeah Holland as well so yeah Barca could have had every single player in the world it's just you know according to reports yeah everyone was interested to you know in joining Barca at some point in their careers which I guess there is some truth to it because you know 
most players, you know, would would not say no to Barca, especially the young players. Uh, even if you are kind of, even if you lean towards Madrid a bit more, you still, if Barca calls you, you'll be like, okay, fine, let's go, let's go, let's do it. But you know, we'll see. This summer might be a bit more different because I think Xavi came out and said that our financial situation even is even worse than last year was it was it something like that i think it was so i wouldn't really expect too much from this summer but now that Messi is off off the agenda i think that we can we can allocate some of those funds into into properly well i say properly now that Messi wouldn't be a proper recruitment but you know you know what i mean just properly plugging holes in the squad well what's interesting actually at this point already is that the players that barca is linked with they have been linked with for a few months now and as I always say, like where there's smoke, there's fire. So even mm-hmm. though people say, oh, the dream situation would be Gundogan and Vita Roca, and they, they stack mm-hmm. these players on top of each other, it seems like the four or five that Barca are linked with, they've continued to be linked with. And I'm not saying it, they might be zero or five on those players or whatever it may be. But in, in the same regard, like, you know who they're having conversations with already and who they probably aren't. Now, the big thing here is before we do the transfer stuff, I've been talking about them as they've come along with the Kimmich story. We, we, we've gone over that here. But really, the topic continues to be, and it's not stopping. It's who is Barca going to sell? And while I think for most of the season, those reports were, let's see, let's us guess. But now that the dust has settled, the numbers are what they are. The numbers are in the book. There are three names that keep popping up over and over and over again the last week from all the people that seem to be in the know. That's Ansu Fati, that's Ferran Torres, and that's Frank Kessie. And it's not Ansu Fati or Ferran Torres. It's Ansu Fati and Ferran Torres. Because we have also keep hearing over and over again, again, where you keep hearing the same thing over and over, it generally seems to be true. And financially, the club wants to move on from two of these three players. It seems like in salary, they want to get them off the books. And just doing the math here with Kessie, or, or Kessie makes the least of the three. Ansu makes a bit more than him, and Ferran Torres makes somewhere in the middle there. So if you get rid of Ferran Torres and if you get rid of Kessie, next season that saves you about 20 million euros in on the wage bill. But again, we're also having to count in the future Ferran Torres' amortization and all those things. So again, the transfer fee is not as much as you get from Ansu. I'm not doing that for the hundredth time. I already did that many, many times. <laughs> now, as far as these players, and I mean, as far I know you're not a transfer expert, but you are a an expert at looking at the you let's say utilitarian approach and the understanding of how important these players can be to the team. Their numbers, I think are really interesting and telling of players that I guess, yes, would normally for a club like Barcelona be on the market. So for Ansu, it's 51 games played 10 goals, four assists, 183 minutes between goals, which is surprisingly low for him in his career. Usually it's around 120 and 18 more than 1800 minutes. Okay. Reportedly makes third most on the team next season and the third most remaining money on his deal of all Barcelona players behind only De Jong and Lewandowski. But the jump is pretty substantial between those two and then everybody else, right? So Ansu starts the everybody else category. A reminder, too, that because he came from the academy, there's no other little special fees there. You don't have to pay out anything of the rest of his, again, amortization, anything like that. He is sold straight up. You get that transfer fee, put it right in your pocket, and that, that, that goes and helps the wage bill. Ferran Torres, 45 games, seven goals, three assists, 270 minutes between goals, 1800 uh, minutes as well more than well and about 50 more than than Ansu Fati he makes about five million less than Ansu and has the same five years left on his deal as Ansu though so their contracts they ex- they extend to the same amount again with Ferran Torres you have to pay the amortization on that deal in a way that you do for Ansu and then Frank Kessie 43 games three goals three assists 1800 minutes almost exactly and he's been rumored to enter for 30 million euros 
And we know that Frank Kessie, based on who is being linked with the club, I think we're almost at a point where I know Nico is likely going to go to like Villarreal, uh, Las Palmas or Villarreal or something like that. But I feel like the club is, we'll start with Kessie here because I think the club really just saying, hey, you came on a free transfer. We did, I mean, his salary is probably higher than what whoever replaces him is going to be by two or three million euros. So the club, I think, is saying, let's get 30 million euros. Again, that free transfer is not going to hurt us. So 30 million euros from Inter like or whoever from Italy, just put it right in our pocket and we're going to take that and and, fi- and figure out a way to to get that. Again, 43 games, three goals, three assists from an interior spot and who really didn't fit as a double pivot next to Frankie de Young all season mm-hmm. long. So let's just mm-hmm. grab it and go. I think that would be the right approach, yes. I If, if Barca can get 30 million for Kessie, I think that's a good deal. A deal that we should take. I don't like judging midfielders, especially by goals, but Cassie was kind of brought in to be this box to box presence who would give you that, that, that uh, you know, final third approach, that, that more aggressive kind of edge to, her, to his profile. And, and we've not really, we've seen the flashes, and sometimes he really looked like a player who brings something different. And that's, that's what people have been saying about him. He is someone who brings something different to the team. But for the majority of his stay, whether that's due to his inconsistent game time or him just not settling or whatever it is, he hasn't really been the player that we that we kind of imagined him to, to be when, when he signed. So I think that selling him for thirty million and then trying to kind of replicate his his contribution and in, in the aggregate or whatever in his replacement should not be too difficult. Yes, he's a he's a unique player on paper. On paper he really is. But if, it's the same thing with, with Ferran Torres as well. These profiles of players are very useful on paper, but if they don't perform on the pitch, you just have this idea of those players, not the exact player that you need. So I feel like if we could get $30 million for Kessie, I would do it. I would sell him. And then especially if you're getting someone like Gundogan or, or even Bernardo Silva, I mean, that's, there's no question about it. You go for that, go for that trade because that's a, <laughs> an excellent trade. So I feel like... It wouldn't be too big of a loss if 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 Cassie was you know exactly the player that we thought he would be at Barca, which he was at, at certain points in the season he was, but not consistently and not on on a consistently high level. I think it's that we can, we can manage without him and 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 for the sum that we're getting reportedly, it would be worth it in, in my opinion. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, because even if you, again, brought Nico back and Xavi didn't totally trust him, but you still give him 1,500 minutes and you're filling in 300 extra minutes there 
from, I mean, it, it does not say assume that you bring in another midfielder as well, but there might be another midfielder on the horizon or you play a different system. Like if, because Busquets is gone, if there really is no, you'd expect that other pivot. Yep. Kessie is being replaced, as you said, like his roster spot by a Gundogan or someone like that. And you're still bringing in an Amrabat or something like that. So even if Nico is not to return, you're looking for the tough thing is not the 1800 minutes from Kessie. It's the over 2000 minutes from, from, from Busquets. So, I mean, there are minutes now available. I mean, in theory, if you don't trust, if you trust three different players for, I mean, Gundogan, you'd, you'd, get, you'd expect him to get almost 2000 minutes, but you know, if, if it is not Gundogan, it's some kind of that next tier down, then maybe you don't even go for anybody and you say, okay, Nico plus Amrabat. But again, you're, you're trying to get almost what? 44,000 minutes, right? Like the 38, 39 out of, those two and Amarbot, fortunately, is pretty. I, I keep just saying his name because I just fitting that kind of profile in there—a guy who eats minutes and things like that and plays pivot. Mm-hmm. Okay, but yeah, and and I agree with you for for Kessie. I don't know the three goals, not that much, but you're right. Like I'm not defining his first season at Barcelona by goals because what would you expect of him? I mean, if he got seven goals, does that feel different than three? I don't know. Like you know what I mean? Like how and when were those goals scored? I mean, that's that's what I've kind of been doing as I've been going through like the best games of the season and the biggest games. Like yeah. who scored which goals when? And how do we, how does that change how we viewed those players? Like, for example, again, Ferran Torres scored seven goals this season. I remember one of them because I guess mm-hmm. in the games that he scored, like it, they were what they were. And so it's like, what, what contribution did those goals have? And for Ansu, it's a bit different. Just because I remember like the three or four of them that like, I felt like he was desperate to get. Right. And it was like, okay, Ansu's turning over a new leaf. And I wrote that, I wrote that goal down, that goal mattered. And it was a five headline and da, 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 da. And yeah, so now moving cut over to Ferran Torres and, and Ansu Fati. Yeah, I mean, do you feel like in your heart of hearts, it is an and or statement? Because it just looks financially. I don't know, like Domagor, like if we're talking about pivot, if they're talking about like another midfielder or a center back or whoever it may be. I mean, Vita Roca, I think is still a pipe dream. I think they're just trying to use that to give people hope that there's some young attacker coming. But mm. that left wing looks very, very, very shallow to me next season because Abde also seems to not be a favorite. And so there is this world where Kula is going to see, oh, they got Carrasco for the left wing and that's who's, you know, he's serviceable, but that is who their their big splash on the left wing is for 20 million or whatever. And again, he'll it'll be a 20 million release uh, euro transfer or, or, or something, but his wage will be, I would mm. guess, little less than what Ferran Torres makes this year or about what Ferran makes. And, and it'll be 5 million euros less than Ansu. So it really, like, is Ansu worth five, 5 million more than, than Carrasco? Or if he brings in 70 million, then you're taking 70 million. So really, Ansu's worth in that mathematical equation, he's worth 45 to 50 million more than you know, Carrasco by leaving. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation because when you have Ansu Fati on the left side, even Ferran Torres, I think both of them kind of complete that forward line almost perfectly. So when, when, you, when you look at profiles of players that you would have, like you have Lewandowski down the middle and then a creator on the right like Dembele, and, and then you have that goal-scoring threat, uh, a runner on the left side, which both Ansu and Ferran can kind of, kind of do, or at least on paper they should be, should be doing that. And, and I feel like it's a shame because that forward line with Ansu Fati, Lewandowski and Dembele would be will be brilliant, you know, when, when everyone is on form and, and firing that front line really sounds good to me. So if you remove Ansu or, or Ferran from that equation and you don't have a pro, an appropriate replacement, that that's a problem. But 
obviously that's the part of the reason why Xavi has been going with this false winger kind of situation because was the alternative alternative is to have a, a, a pure winger who who's not doing his job and that's again that's a problem so with Ansu and Ferran they both need minutes and they both need consistency in uh, you know in, in game time and I don't think a player who's not performing a player who's not performing cannot really get that Barcelona that's the issue here so if you're not performing but you need minutes I don't think that Barca can give you that because Barcelona not a club where you can do some soul searching and 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 to find yourself when you when you lost you're, you're there to perform right so if I, I can see I can see why Xavi would would be against keeping them or at least well for Ferran I think he he'll get he'll get sold definitely he'll get sold even with the the whole amortization thing I, I'm not I don't want to get into it I, I'm not really an expert either so I'm not going to go into it but even with all that said I think that he gets he gets sold and then Ansu Fati uh, he probably will leave now if he leaves on loan or maybe he gets sold and then there's a buyback option or something like that that I could I can see that that would be Right, but the it buyback's going to be like a hundred million. I mean, that's the only thing. It's just like that. Whoever mm-hmm. comes for Ansu is going to be a big club, and whatever big yeah. club want, it signs Ansu is going to want Ansu. So that buyback is again, it's going to be like a hundred million for three years or something like that, like some mm-hmm. astronomical number. Because I mean, that's the whole risk about selling Ansu. If you're selling yeah. Ansu Fati with that name cachet already at twenty, and the, the things that he's already accomplished in his career and the potential he's supposed to have, then you're talking about a huge, a huge buyback number. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, and I agree with you on, on all those points about Farron and and Ansu, but I also like half glass full about keeping them. Could this mm. season be worse for them? Like again, 183 minutes between goals for Ansu, who is third on the team in total goals behind, well, t- tied for second rather, because Rafinha and yeah. Ansu both had had ten behind Rafinha, and like you know, with Rafinha, he had 293 minutes between goals, and Dembele. Yeah. We're just gonna say Dembele again, function wise, we know not a goal scorer. So again, you're going to a point where it's just like Pedri's not there yet, but he does score some goals, but you're also asking Pedri to do way too much. And if mm. your pivot is not up to task, I keep kind of warning that whatever you think of Pedri and Xavi says it, I would love to give him the ball 50 times a game more than he does and pushing Pedri forward and having him attack and having him orchestrate and having him be the the creator in the final third. That is what yeah. Xavi sees for him. That's where he wants him to be. But we've done this song and dance now with Kuman, with Xavi. If you do not have that somebody in that pivot role and somebody even next to the young that you totally trust, that means Pedri is going to have to pick up the ball a lot deeper next year. And mm-hmm. you know, again, if if it, even if it is an Amabot, like Amabot does not shuttle the ball forward as much, or even with his passing, like mm-hmm. Busquets's long passes really opened up things. Like he he mm-hmm. he let the ball close space on the field in a way that. A lot of players have to do with their legs because they just can't do it with what Busquets did yeah. in that in that way. So that means Pedri, even for for that, that means Pedri's gonna have to check back to the ball ten to fifteen yards deeper, even for that pivot that is playing right in a deeper position, picking up between the the the, the fullback. I mean the, the center backs. So my concern is that as much as you see Pedri as a creator of field, that he's gonna be forced to drop in a, a bit deeper. So you're losing his goal scoring as well. Gabi is not profiled and may not profile as some kind of goal scorer ever you know it, it you just have to prepare for that inevitability frankie de young mm. if you want him to be as a pivot he he's not scoring goals like there are two functions of no. de young is that if he's a runner sure he's scoring and he scores like eight goals a season when he is as a runner like he was two years ago or you have to kind of have him be your 
your not to not to say destroyer, but uh, yeah, your controller type, if you will. And if he's going to do mm-hmm. that, which I think is his best role, as we saw last year, then he's not a goal scorer, and that is not the function of him. So I'm, my concern by selling both Baron and Ansu, you better hit on that forward. Then if you're like going out and you're getting a forward, you've got to hit on him because if you miss on that forward or the pivot, I mean that is now the the margin with losing Busquets. Not to say even Albin Pique and stuff, but by losing Busquets. There again, the domino effect matters all over the field. Carrasco yes. also not a goal scorer, so I just I don't know where you're getting that again. Ten goals from Ansu, seven from Farron, and so if you bring in a, a, a winger and they completely flop, or let's say again Carrasco comes in and gets five goals or seven goals like he normally does and matches Farron Torres, great. You're still missing ten total goals from last year, and again you might get even less from Pedri if he's playing in a deeper position. And now you're asking Lewandowski, a year older, to score more than the 20 plus goals that he scored this season. So I just, my concern, Domagoy, for next season is just as it is. I'm straight doing the math. It doesn't seem mm. like there's enough goals to go around. I was in, as in, sorry, not that everyone, everyone can have one. But I'm saying it's like not enough people <laughs> even grabbing them from the table, like taking the party favors at the end of the, the match and, and getting the goal. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think there are options on the market that are like cheap, but at the same time, they give you that many goals. Free transfers? I don't know. I, I would have to check. I would have to check who's who has a contract expiring. I guess well, Gundogan could... I mean, Abde's a name. Uh, yeah, because, right? like, but does Xavi not trust? Again, if I'm saying 10 goals, if you're selling mm. Ansu and you're not really replacing him with anybody, mm. like, again, Carrasco, are Carrasco and Abde, again, is that duo good for 17 goals? No. Like, I, I think no, that no. they have a function. They're, I see yeah. the function in them, right? Like, you and I, are, mm. we're all about what is the point of that player beyond yeah, like exactly. goal scoring and whatever but like yeah the function of those players neither of which is to score yeah 17 goals combined it's going to be more like 10 and I, that's not enough you would have to play with two number 10s probably so pedri next to someone like gundogan example and then you have frankie and amrabat behind them and then gundogan and pedri would have to be like number 10s proper number 10s they will have to be more like attacking players who would crash the box, who would beat a box presence instead of being the build-up machines. Well, Gundogan and Pedri can both be like proper box-to-box. They can both be up and down, shuttle up and down. But in this case, when you need goal scorers, they would have to be, they would have to float across the final third. So, so not drop deep. And then Frankie and Amrabat would have to be responsible for securing that that first line of, of build-up. And then that also brings us to the, to, to the back line because you have Kunde and they have, Araujo, Araujo, who's obviously an irreplaceable player, he's a key player. But then, if you're losing, if you're kind of losing that aspect of control because you have Pedro and Gundogan being more attacking, you would need your back line to be tight in, on the ball. They would have to be clean. They would have to be able to do their thing on their own without having to drop additional players to help them. So that's another issue there. But I think you would have to compensate that through having. Probably to number tens or, or just attacking midfielders or midfielders who crash the box a little more, a little bit more. And Pedri and Gundogan could do that in theory. And then the left winger, whoever it is, would be more of a supplier. So Abde or Carrasco are more creators anyway. So I guess you would get creativity from them and from Dembele. And then Lewandowski, Pedri, Gundogan would be your main task force. I guess something like that. Maybe. Right, right. I mean, Gundogan <laughs> scored eleven for Man City this year. All right, and there so yeah, I mean, and he. I mean, that's an insane amount of. Uh, not contributions, but opportunities mm-hmm. at, at Man City, even more mm-hmm. so than Barcelona, like per game. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let, let's 
just shift gears. This is a shorter show, so congratulations on that. I hope there are some people that do like the shorter shows and not the longer ones. So <laughs> it's going to be a little shorter here because we're at four quick topics. This is topic number two here. Barca Athletic are staying down in the third division. After winning the first leg 4-2 at home, Rafa Marquez's team lost 3-0 in Madrid to Real Madrid-Castilla. Here's what hurt me on this one. The second goal was scored by former Barca striker Ica Bravo. Not only did he score the goal, but the celebration was a Real Madrid, like as in like for the badge, Real Madrid goal, right? And that one stings. And then the winner was scored in stoppage time on a penalty kick. So it's not even that the Barca Athletic failed to get to the next round. It's that Real Madrid in Madrid took their heart, ripped it out of their chest, ate it, mm. Temple of Doom style. If I mean, I know I'm dating yeah, myself yeah. with that movie reference with Indiana Jones, <laughs> but like they, they ate their heart and then they also celebrated up in the stands with their stand and one of the, the and the stand itself collapsed and a few fans were injured. So that that's unfortunate as well. I hope everyone's okay. But yeah, it's one of those where like Iker Bravo, if a player still under the age of 20 is going to, or I think it might be 20, 19 or 20, if he's going to find his way via fire Leverkusen after a year to Real Madrid. And it's like with the salary demands he has, as much as I would love to be like, I can't believe Barca let that one go in the same regard. It's like, no, I mean, you get why he, they let him go. He was, I think he was asking for like 5 mil a year or 7 mil a year or something in the, as a U19 player. And the only issue that I think for him was he asked to be part of the Barca Athletic or U19s and they kept him at, at the, U, the U18 level. They wanted to go through the uh, Juvenile Bays again, which again, the level makes more sense to me than the contract, right? Yeah. Like the contract mm-hmm. is in there on negotiable. I think Barca should never lose a player based on the level they're willing to play them up the ladder, if that makes any sense. Like if mm-hmm. a player is like, again, like a Luminium Mall, if Luminium Mall and if Barca were like, hey, we want you to be Juvenile uh, 18s or whatever, and he had been, hey, actually, I feel like even at 16, I'm good enough for the U19s. Just play my U19s and then and then like negotiate the contract. And if you ask too much money, then then you have a problem on your hands. But like I just don't see, you know, how how you let you know the level they play at be the decider and all that. Because again, if you don't think he's that good, then yeah, Bayer Leverkusen was like, hey, you want some first team appearances? Here you go. Mm-hmm. And then Real Madrid was like, would you like to t- return to Spain and and play for one of the big dogs here? And he's like, yeah, of course. Like I'm I'm a, you know mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be one of the. He believes he's going to be the next big guy. So I don't know. I also so twofold question is there like how are you feeling about youngsters like that when that kind of thing happens and part two is for the third i mean for the the varsity athletic do you think that this is going to i don't know does this disappoint you when they don't make it to the second division that much or is it one of those things you just let it roll off well obviously it is disappointing more in a sense that how it happened and it happened so Mm -hmm. as we keep saying with these youth teams, it's as long as the players are developing, it's 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 all that matters. Of course, you want results because Barca are a big brand, and and success is kind of a part of that brand, right? So even if it's if it's the youth categories, you have to have some sort of success, and it's also important for the young players to keep kind of improving, even though they might be staying the same team. If that team is going forward, if that team is, is is obviously making steps forward and progressing, then they also have that feeling, okay, I'm getting I'm going somewhere, I'm not stagnating, I'm not here, down here, and then some of my friends or colleagues are, are up there, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess in that sense, it, it kind of plays off the mentality of the players, kind of shifts their mentality and, and keeps them engaged. Because at, so, at, at some point, the youngsters will be like, especially in Barca, they will be like, either I get first team minutes or I, or I leave or I go somewhere where I can get those minutes. And that's fair enough because at one point, they will they will reach that level where they are 
too good for the for the youth system, but also if they're not good enough for Barcelona's first team, then they have to leave go somewhere else, right? And 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 progress that way because there is so much that they can learn, or or there is this there is the limit to which the um the the academy can actually push them to. So at one point they will have to branch out and go somewhere else and and, and find more challenges. And sometimes Barca, like the first team is a step too, too big for that. So at, at that point, mm-hmm. I would agree, just send them on loan and, or, or just let them go somewhere else. And then eventually, if they're good enough, they will come back. The club is interested, but yeah, I see it as such. So progressing forward, like moving up a league, it's more about the mentality and, 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 and keeping the youngsters engaged and, and, and giving them that feeling of progression. I feel like that's important, but... At the end of the day, it's all about, all about just developing the youngsters. So as we keep saying. Yeah, I mean, I would say the reason why in this particular year, I'm not that sad about it, is that that next group of, okay, maybe this, there's multiple players to maybe make the first team. That next group is the one we actually saw kind of in Japan. I, I've kind of been saying that 16, there's a group of, what are the 2004? I can't do the math. I'm, that's how old I am now. It was the 2004s, I guess, or oh no, 2006s. Where the heck am I? Anyway, the ones who are like 16, 17 right now, yeah. like that include Luminium Mall, Paul Prim, Hector Fort. Well, Luminium Mall, he's still not 16 for another month, but you get the point. Like, so Hector mm-hmm. Fort, 16, and Luminium Mall is going to be 16, and Paul Prim is 17 or 18, whatever it is. Like that group that's really actually like Cadet Ock, almost UNL Bay level, uh, age wise, but not level. So mm-hmm. I would say in the third division, like, again, what I saw from Paul Prim against Vissel Kobe, don't expect him. Maybe he'll do preseason in the first team, but don't expect him like yeah. in the first team or around them. Maybe, hey, who knows? You never know at 18, whatever. But that said, I would rather him figuring his way out in the third division with Barca Athletic next year as an 18-year-old. Same thing. If Hector Ford is 17, whatever, I, I'm, I'm much more comfortable with that generation. Like if there were, mm-hmm. if Barca Athletic and the next group was 20 right now, like, like, let's put it this way. The years when it was Puj and Callado and I'm trying to think what, well, I, like Araujo had just been signed. He was like one of the youngest in that squad. That group, I felt like they should have been in the second division to push themselves because again, they were like 19, 20 years old, which is much different even at that age of 17 or 16, 17 and 18 even. So it's like, mm-hmm. it depends on the years. Like I'm fine with 17 and 18 year olds kind of pushing through because their next step really is the first team, like jumping at yeah. it's at 18 or 19 into the first team in a way that, again, Kayato was like, okay, he needs this highest competition he can get. Carlos Perez was another example. He was like 20, 21. You're like, is he ever going to get that chance? And he finally did get a chance. He was 21. But again, he had gone from the third division and he felt like there was a little bit of a jump. But these 17 year olds, let's say they don't know any better, but they're either good enough for the first team or they're not. And this group with Danny Rodriguez and Mark G and Pau Prim and, and Lamini Mall and Hector Fort, like that next crop, no disrespect to Casado or Chadi Wiad yeah. or some of the ones that you like from Barca Athletic right now, the next group is certainly the group that's actually younger, like the, the two or three years younger. And then even younger than that, what is the 15-year-old Carabasi, the, the, the center back that is Barcelona's like favorite center back right now in the academy. He's still 15 years old. So uh, transitioning perfectly to topic number three, <laughs> and I guess I'll do topic number four here real quick. The Femini have largely returned to the Spanish national team, by the way, after we reported that last week after the final. Aitana, Mariona, Ona, who is, again, going to be signing for Barca Femini, and then Alexi Buteas have all returned to the national team. Sandra Panos has held out, and she's, so she is not in that team. And we have mentioned and Irene Paredes already went back. So it... Let's say for better or worse, like this is a 
a really, really difficult decision they made. And I will say that I'm not going to weigh in. And I, I know that they're going to have to speak about it. And I am not even looking forward to, I am like with anticipation, definitely interested in seeing their approach to this very difficult decision. And if I'm the Spanish national team, they got their cake and they got to eat it too. And that disgusts me. I'm just throwing that out there. So, I mean, I'm hoping that their return also means that the Spanish national team, maybe after the World Cup, are going to look in the mirror and have some kind of resolution. Because, I mean, if I'm those players, if they don't change anything, I'm the minute the World Cup is over, like the minute that final whistle blows, I'm out, right? I'm done. I'm out. Maybe I'm in like threatened retirement and and and, and whatever. So anyway, the, the center back transition, final topic here is that Barcelona have been linked and will likely be signing Mikel Ngor Faye for 5 million euros. He's an 18-year-old left-footed center back, wanted by Chelsea and Dortmund as well, joins from Domagoy, you're the perfect man to help me with this name. They're in the second <laughs> division of Croatia, NK Kustoshai. Is that close? Is that right? It, oh, I'll take it. It's Kustoshia. So Kustoshia. <laughs> I was not close. You well, should it not was. Take it. Kind, kind of close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, embarrassingly, so I, 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 yeah, embarrassingly, I don't, I don't even, I've, I've heard of the player, but I've not scouted him properly. So I. I'm not really the person to ask here. Um, I will have no, to look it's into really, it. Wait, wait, wait. I, I'm asking uh, if you're a scouting report. It's not. It's. Oh, I'm never asking oh, okay. someone to, to watch right. the second division of Croatia <laughs> if you're not like actively watching the second division of Croatia. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, even until this year, even if you had been watching that team, though, it wouldn't help because mm-hmm. he signed in 2023 from oh, okay. Diambar's FC Academy in Senegal. So it's not like oh, he was right, yeah. there for that long, right? He was likely scouted as a member of the Senegal U17 team. Again, mm-hmm. nobody's kind of not saying nobody. Okay, I'm not disparaging for any of our <laughs> second division Croatia listeners. I'm not disparaging your league, but I am saying that very few Barca scouts, I'm assuming, are mm-hmm. watching the second division in Croatia regularly to say, hey, that teenager over multiple games is impressing me. Mm-hmm. So he was likely scouted as a member of the Senegal U17 team. And there are mm-hmm. scouts probably whispering from the Senegal U20 camp that he was also called up to. And so the rep on him is he is likely a project. He is mm-hmm. physically, yeah. he's already there. He's 1.86 meters, which is six foot one for all you American fans. So he's kind of tall, but also not like insanely tall. He's a little shorter than Ronald Araujo and quite a bit shorter than PK. So I, I wouldn't think, say say he's like some, again, gigantic, you know, super tall, but he's also 18. So he yeah. still might grow in interest. Exactly. So physically, he, again, the profile is kind of already there. He, at this level, again, he's very proactive on the ball. He is left-footed as a center back. Like he, he fits a profile when you all look at it. And certainly all the tools he has as a project excite people. So if he were to mm-hmm. sign and for 18 as an 18 year old come into Barca athletic next season, he would immediately rocket to the top of why you're watching Barca athletic in the third division. How's that kid doing? However, here's and the question for you as we wrap the show up 5 million euro transfer fee does seem pretty hefty after we just started the show. And we're talking about splitting hairs on <laughs> 3 million euros in salary or 4 million euros in salary. And the only caveat there is that, I also want to remind people that the total revenue of the club does affect the salary limit for the first team, but the mm-hmm. salary limit that the first team has to receive, uh, reach, meaning remove salary from, is based on those contracts in the first team. So it's a weird thing where the transfer fee of $5 million is, again, revenue that the club has to use, but in no way does that revenue affect the first team in any way. Like it doesn't affect right. the salary limit. It doesn't affect any of that. So it's this weird thing where it's like, don't think of it as that money. Same thing when like the feminine make a big signing or handball or basketball, whatever, like those contracts mm-hmm. are different. 
but the total revenue for the club does matter because that does set the salary limit. So the club, you know, they're not poor. Again, they have huge yeah. loans from Goldman Sachs, like, right. So it's like the club is not poor. It's just like, what is the salary limit based on the revenue they had? So, and some people are already questioning the 4 million from Duan Araujo. And that's my question about that one too. That even though he signed for Barca Athletic and spent the whole time with the first team, was that technically a first team contract? So was that like 4 million that, that is that that technically went against the transfer the wage bill for the first you know what I mean like so that four yeah, million for Jordan Alajo, you know it could look a lot worse than this five million for for Ingorfae so I don't know and then seemingly there's a lack of six million for Fabricio Diaz who just started and won the U20 World Cup final yesterday Uruguay beating Italy one nothing and mm-hmm. my only advice to everybody is put a pin in all of that all the time that whenever yeah. Barcelona pay three to seven million for anybody or like one of those young players from 18 to 21. We don't know. Like they might get mm-hmm. it right. They might get it wrong. And for everyone they get wrong, they also maybe get 0.75 right. Right. So it's yeah, just like yeah. you, you don't really remember, like we cannot understate 5 million for Pedri. And I know it was going to be 25 million mm-hmm. plus like when with all the incentive that he might reach, but like Still. a 5 million euro transfer fee for 16 year old Pedri not to say you're allowed to mess them up, but you do. You mess up three for every one you get right. And Pedri yeah. was right. And so, and Rajo was right. So now they're going to get a few wrong, or maybe they get this one right, and then another two or three are wrong. So it's like, in the moment, it's like, oh, what you question everything, and why did this deal happen? And some of them are seedy. But again, if they get it right, no one's going to question any of it. I mean, who knows? Do you really think that Ngay Faye or, or Diaz, who is 20, but still, again, plays in the Uruguay first division, do we know who's going to be the better professional or the player you take in five years? You, I'm answering that for everybody. No, like, yeah. You have no yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one thing to scout a player, but then there's so many different factors that go into it, especially a club like Barcelona, and especially when you're buying players from the Croatian league, and then you, they have to come to Barcelona, adapt, and there's, there's this whole cultural thing, and and the language, and the environment, not yeah. just not just the quality of the player. So it's very very difficult to say. But you know, just on the on the surface level, like profile wise he does sound like some someone that Barca could use not just in, in Barca Athletic but also like in the first team but I also had high hopes for Mika Marmol who I still believe has a lot of potential and, and is doing pretty well so so you never know I don't I mean a left footer center back with a decent physical build with athleticism I mean I'm all for it I mean he sounds wonderful now but it doesn't doesn't guarantee anything sadly in this world so we'll see well, fortunately, Domagoy, you are a guarantee. Mm. You're a surefire thing to have <laughs> someone to know. So I really appreciate you. your time again. As always, no follow Domagoy on Twitter, down the show notes below and all that stuff. We are on Twitter and Instagram, TikTok, all those places at the Barcelona Podcast, as well as our Patreon. That's how I keep making shows over the summertime, uh, as well as a YouTube channel. And I said it on the last YouTube video as well. If you could just, again, subscribe, all that stuff. I am reevaluating the podcast of the podcast, I promise, right? So for the audio listeners, the podcast. podcast. But for the YouTube and the video content, the I am trying my best behind the scenes to make that time worth my time and make it make mm. sense for me to do every match review as a video format, five headlines, and continue to do the video content I did this year. And to do that, I do need to up the subscription numbers. I do need to up some of just the engagement and how excited people are for those videos. So I do need to like figure out a way to do that. And again, if you're somebody who somehow is listening to this at this point and not subscribed to the YouTube channel, that's just a big help. Like every little thing helps there. So I can again, continue to figure out how I can continue to make those videos next year. That's kind of my 
veiled threat, if you will. That's called a threat, but my plea, I guess to say. So thanks so much for listening to the show, though. Most importantly, again, this podcast is not changing. We thank you for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Of course, bye. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.